You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. God is going to show up for us, and God is going to engage with us in these stories if we're open to them. And God's going to move us to a different place than where we are right now. By sharing our stories, we enable one another and encourage one another and empower one another to have greater faith, you know. Um, and uh, I, I think there's real great hope in, in that, that these stories still continue today. Yeah, so we all have these great stories. Hey, he appeared to me also. Here's my story. Here's what happened. Take it or not, but that's what happened. There are a lot of different people that Jesus shows himself to. And it was an amazing thing, time and time and time again, how Jesus showed up. I think he's, he's looking forward to doing that today. preference, would you rather have conversation with a group of people or would you rather have a more intimate conversation with just one or two? So how many of you would prefer a, a conversation with a larger group of people? How many? Just raise your hands. All right? Not too many. How many would prefer a one-on-one -on -one conversation? All right. Well, when do you want to meet? Uh, <laughs> one of the things that I love about the stories of Jesus is that in the resurrection appearances, Jesus is able to engage with people in all kinds of settings. He's able to engage with people in group settings, but also one-on-one -on -one conversations. And today, as we look at the story of Peter and Jesus, we're looking more at a one-on-one -on -one conversation. We left the story last week where Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee. He's cooked breakfast for the guys, and seven guys have enjoyed breakfast with Jesus in a table conversation, in a conversation around food. And now the scene shifts where Jesus and Peter are going to go in on a one-on-one -on -one conversation. It's not going to be an easy conversation. I mean, there's some one-on-one -on -one conversations that are fun and some that are enjoyable and uh, but, but this particular conversation that Jesus is taking Peter on is a rather fierce conversation. And yet it's one that Jesus courageously and with compassion takes Jesus to. So let's, let's go there knowing that uh, Jesus also wants to engage with us one-on-one -on -one as well. We pick the story up in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John beginning with verse 15. Now, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I got a trivia question for you Springfieldians. What was the name of the Chinese restaurant just west of Schweitzer? Was there for years. Anybody know? G's. G's East Wind. That's right. You would not believe how long it took me to hear the answer at the 820 service for that. When I first moved to Springfield in 1985, I fell in love with Springfield's famous dish, cashew chicken. And I loved it until that time, whether it was the chicken or whether it was me or whether I ate too much, I got deathly sick. I mean, I became nauseous. And ever since then, I cannot stand the taste of cashew chicken. I switched to sweet and sour. It's interesting, isn't it, that there are certain tastes or there are certain sounds or there are certain visuals that take our minds and our emotions and trigger something in them. Sometimes it's really good and happy emotions. Sometimes it's very troubling and disturbing emotions where we get kind of sick to the pit of our stomach. Jesus takes Peter to a difficult place in this conversation. He takes him, and, and the conversation note begins around a coal of fire. Coals of fire was a place where Peter had found himself just a few weeks before when Jesus had been betrayed, when Jesus had been arrested, and when the disciples deserted him except for Simon Peter. And Simon Peter went and followed Jesus to Caiaphas' house. And it was at Caiaphas' house that Jesus was interrogated by the chief priests and by his accusers. And while this is going on, Simon Peter is warming himself around coals of fire. And as he's doing that, not once, not twice, but three times, Simon Peter does the unthinkable. He denies even knowing Jesus. And when the rooster crowed twice, it all came back. Jesus had predicted, Peter, tonight, before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny even knowing me three times. There's one scene in one gospel where it says that Jesus in some way was able to see Peter. And Peter was able to see Jesus. And after the rooster crowed, Peter went away bitterly. Jesus intentionally is taking Simon Peter to that place where he denied him, where he failed him, where he lacked courage. Why does Jesus do that to Simon Peter? Does he do it to shame him? Does he do that to yell at him? I like uh, what Brene Brown has to say 
into our culture. And one of the things that she says about shame is that she says that when shame is sprinkled with secrecy and judgment, it really does us in. And that oftentimes we will hold that secretive place in our spirits and our hearts that are unresolved, that are hurt, that we don't want to think about or deal with, and yet it's the place in our life where the rooster has crowed. But she also says that empathy is the great shame slayer. Jesus has empathy for Simon Peter. Jesus is not there to guilt him or shame him, but to go to that place that is unresolved in his spirit, in his heart. And he's gone there to restore him, to reconcile him, to clear the air, to bring healing to his spirit and his heart. Notice he doesn't yell at him in front of the other guys. You get this sense as you read the story that after the dinner conversation, after breakfast with the guys, it's just that one-on-one. -on -one. That's the way Jesus operates when he's having a fierce conversation. If he can take us one-on-one, -on -one, he's not there to publicly shame us. I love Mark Benjamin's conversation where he talks about one time he was at Walmart and this woman yelled at him. And he, he had the courage to confront her, and, and he said to her, Do you know when people yell at me, I feel shame? And she says, You know, I'm sorry. That's the way I grew up. That's the only way I know. Jesus doesn't yell. Jesus doesn't publicly humiliate. But Jesus doesn't also go and skirt the issue, or not deal with what needs to be dealt with. There's a German term called schadenfreude. And if that's a not the right pronunciation, talk to Pastor Jason later. I don't know if I pronounce it correctly or not, but I know that the term means the rejoicing at the downfall of another. It seemed like that's a description of our times. We live in a culture and a time where we oftentimes rejoice at the downfall of another. Or we talk about it, or we gossip about it. And Jesus' approach is very different than shaming, than yelling, than rejoicing at another's downfall. But Jesus will take us to that place where the rooster has crowed. And Jesus will whisper to us, and we will have an intimate conversation with him. And he will not go easy on the issue. He will not skirt the truth. And he does it in a way, though, that is redemptive. In a way that you and I have to learn to do in our private life, as well as in our public life. I love the reality that today... There's a church that stands at, on the spot where Caiaphas' house ruins still exist. St. Peter Church at Jerusalem. And in that church, uh, the roosters are still around. So it's a place where roosters still crow. And yet what a testimony it is that the church of Jesus Christ stands at the place and marks the spot where Peter had his ultimate failure 
in following Jesus as a disciple wants to follow. It's a story of God's grace, isn't it? That God takes our failures, our shortcomings, those places in which we don't want to go, and yet on the very spot where Jesus was falsely accused, think about this, and within feet of the place where Peter denied knowing him, there stands the witness of the church. And you and I know that the church is not a building. We know that we are the church. We know that everyone that knows Jesus and follows Jesus and has been forgiven by Jesus, that we are the church. And there are places and times where you and I are called to also stand and also to give witness and testimony and to give voice to what God wants us to speak into people's lives and into the world today. Is there a place that you can think about in your past? Maybe it's a recent past. Maybe it's been some years where the rooster has crowed. It's a place where you don't want to go, and yet maybe that's a place where you need to go today. Maybe that's a place where Jesus wants to take you today. It's a place where he wants you to find your voice. It's a place where he wants to clear the air, and he wants to speak forgiveness into your life and yet give you the strength and the courage to stand where you in the future will find your voice. I can think of several times in my life and a couple of times this morning it comes to mind is I remember as a, as a young pastor in a, in a different pastorate, the church was coming to a place of a building process and a building program and I lacked the courage to do what I felt like Jesus wanted me to do. I felt like Jesus in that time in that setting was calling that church to relocate. And I whispered that idea to one prominent leader. He shot it down immediately, and I just stuffed it and didn't do anything with it. And the church went ahead and it built, and the church did well for a brief while. And yet as I look back upon that reality decades later, I wish I would have found my voice. And I've, I've reconciled that, and I've been forgiven of that, but Jesus has taken me to that place that has helped me that in my life today and in the future, I'm more courageous. I'm more true to where I believe God is calling me to do and what God is calling me to say. I remember another time where there was a particular conference that I was a delegate of, and there was a real prominent moment in that delegation's decision-making and we were literally in a circle, circling up. And literally, one person whispered to me, Bob, this is your moment. I want you to speak into this. And I lacked the courage to say what I felt like needed to be said. I punted basically the opportunity. And that opportunity left, didn't come back. And, and I regret that. Another time where I felt like I was given an opportunity to speak and to find my voice. And I lacked the courage to do that. And yet I stand before you today as someone that is a redeemed child of God. I stand before you as someone that does not live in the past. I'm someone that does not carry the burden of that weight because Jesus and I have reconciled ourselves to that. Jesus has restored me, and Jesus, by taking me to those different places in my past, has brought uh, a sense of courage and strength that I didn't used to have. And so Jesus 
lovingly, compassionately, courageously. Well, take us to those places in our hearts where roosters crow. And if he's doing that today in your life, if he wants to do that in your life, I, I, I really want to encourage you to go with him and to be in that conversation that he wants to have. Ultimately, it's interesting, too, that in the midst of this conversation that Jesus and Peter has, and three times Peter's asked the question, do you love me? Three times Peter says, yes, I do love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Take care of my flock. Nurture my sheep. Feed my lambs. Three times Jesus commissions Peter to care for his people. And that all the more says to me that if I really love Jesus, that's going to translate into the way that I care for other people. I want to ask you the question this morning. If you really love Jesus, how is your love and your care and your sharing, your love with Jesus being translated into other people's lives? If you're a part of the body of Christ here at Schweitzer, how is that happening in your life? Are you just a consumer? Are you someone that just comes to worship? Or are you someone that is giving yourself away as you have received the love of God and you're being fed by other people? What are you doing in nurturing and caring for God's sheep in this place and in this community? You have that responsibility. One thing that Jesus did to Peter was he called him to the place of responsibility. And he's calling us to do the same. And so in this wrestling that Jesus does with us and this restoration and this forgiveness, it's not just about me and Jesus. It's about Jesus and all of us. What are you doing to feed God's sheep in this place at this time in your life? Well, the conversation shifts. And Jesus now takes Peter from his past into his future. So let's pick up the story once again in the 21st chapter of John. Very truly, Jesus says to Peter, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this, to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You know, there's conversations that we have that just can't end halfway. And this is a conversation that Jesus is having with Peter. Jesus just puts it all out on the table. Everything is right there. He doesn't hold anything back. And putting it out there on the table, he says, you know, Simon Peter, we, we've talked about your past. Now let's talk about your future. Let's talk about the reality that when you were younger, you kind of did what you wanted to do in your discipleship and you're following me. And it was when it was convenient for you, you did that. 
But as you get older and as you mature, Peter, guess what? You're going to go places you don't want to go. You're going to do some things that you don't want to do. In fact, Jesus reveals to Peter that he's going to die for him, that he's going to be a martyr. He's, he describes the type of death that Jesus is saying to Peter, you're going to stretch out your hands and die. And we know that Simon Peter was in fact crucified. Many people believe on the same day that the Apostle Paul was beheaded. Now you and I may not ever be martyrs, literally, for our faith. We may not be called to die physically for Christ. And yet all of us are called to die. Now this is where we can really just water down the story and the gospel and we can make it more palatable to our age and our time. But Diedrich Bonhoeffer was right, the martyr in World War II, the pastor, the author, the professor. He said, in the cost of discipleship, when Christ calls a man, when God calls a person to follow him, he calls them to come and die. I read that book and I read those words while in seminary 40 years ago. And I know that every day I'm still called to do, in the words of the Apostle Paul, I die daily. Now this may not sound like a lot of fun, but it's a whole lot more fun to be a follower of Jesus where we're all in than halfway. I'm here to tell you, halfway is no fun. But when you're in, when you're in, I mean some amazing, incredible, wonderful things can happen. Is it always easy? Not at all. And yet it is so worth it. And so Jesus takes Peter to his future. Maybe Jesus is wanting to take you not today to a moment in your past. Maybe your past is reconciled like my I have been reconciled in my past to my mistakes. But I sense that Jesus is calling me to a future event. And Jesus is calling me to a moment which I'm anticipating, in a moment and a time of a decision. And I don't worry so much about the decision that I'm going to be making, but the timing and the way in which I do it. Do I really trust him? Do I really with a reckless sense of abandonment, say, God, Jesus, it's whatever you want when you want it. My life is still in your hands. So this morning, uh, we can wrestle with so many things. And sometimes we can feel like, God, you're mighty hard on us right now. And we can ask the question that Peter asked, well, what about him? Or what about her? What are you going to do in their life? What are you going to require of them? And this is where there's a unique calling in each of our lives that we are called to follow him. So this morning, I want to just uh, invite you to uh, 
a moment of silence, to, to just pause in your spirit and sense that you are in the presence of Christ. And just as Jesus has conversations with groups of people, Jesus has ongoing conversations with each of us. Is there a moment, is there a place where Jesus is calling you, where roosters have crowed? A place that's of hurt or a place of disappointment or a place where you feel like you failed Jesus by what you did or what you didn't do? Just uh, be willing to go there with Christ. Or maybe in this moment, Christ is calling you to a different place. Maybe it's something that you're facing in your future, and you know this, and you sense this, and you're full of fear about it. And Jesus is calling you to deep trust. I just want to invite you right now to be still and to listen and to be open to the conversation that Christ wants to call you into in this moment. God, we thank you that you're the God that does not yell at us or shame us that those voices that come at us from the culture as well as inside of us are, is not your voice. But yours is the voice that speaks truth into our life and dares to speak where we need to go with the purpose of restoration and healing and forgiveness. Thank you, God. You're the God that takes our failures and our weaknesses and shines into our life your light and gives us your strength. And I pray that in these moments as we continue in time of worship that we will know and experience you and to celebrate your goodness. And God, just as you ask the question, do you love me? We, we gladly are able to say yes. And when you ask of us to do something that's difficult or hard, that we are willing to say yes. That we are willing always to say yes when you invite us to follow you.